We're continuing a series today called Money, God's Way. And if you've missed some of the first few weeks of this series, I wanna ask you, as your pastor, to go back and listen to those messages the first week about budgeting and having a plan and all the biblical wisdom that really helps us to use money God's way. In the last two weeks, I talked about tithing. And if you missed those messages, go back and listen to those. If you miss them, it's gonna be a blessing to you. And if you're one of the people that's like, those are the last types of messages I would wanna listen to, then you're especially who needs to listen to these messages. So go back and let God work in your heart and it's gonna be good for you. Uh, today, I wanna start out by reading in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, kind of a longer passage, but you can follow along with this. It says this, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. I want you to notice that word through. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving and give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. I wanna preach a message today titled, What Can God Do Through You? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We ask you to speak to us today move in our hearts, help us to become more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he is asking them, giving them the opportunity to continue giving a special offering to help out the believers in Jerusalem. You got to realize these Corinthians, right, they're already giving regular tithes and offerings to their local church, but then God has presented an opportunity for them to give above and beyond that. And that's what he does. This is an offering. What Paul does is he encourages the Corinthians by comparing and sharing what the Macedonians have accomplished for Jesus. He says, this church is poor and they're going for, through a difficult time right now, yet they're giving joyfully, sacrificially, and voluntarily. And I think that's an important lesson for us because sometimes we think that generosity is just something for the rich, 
We watch, you know, celebrities go into expensive fundraisers. And I think sometimes in the back of our minds, we think, well, yeah, someday when I make it big, when I strike it rich, when I win the lottery, I'm going to be generous too. But giving is not a reflection of the number in your bank account. It's a reflection of the gratitude in your heart. And you can be generous whether you're rich or poor, just like the Macedonians or like the Corinthians. However much you have, it's not about the amount you give, but it's the heart with which you give. And I love this example that we read about. These Macedonians were eager for the opportunity to give. It said they begged again and again for the privilege of giving. Can I just tell you, that's every pastor's dream right there. (laughs) People just keep trying to give too much. Slow down, you guys. That's too much. You know, one of our church's value statements is we get to give. We get to give. You don't have to coerce us. You don't have to pull our arms. We're like the Macedonians. If there's a need, if there's an opportunity, I want to give. Let let me give. I'm going to give first. Not if I beat you to it, right? I want to give because giving is what honors God. It pleases God. We live in a world today where so many people have charitable causes that they're passionate about. It might be stray animals in shelters. It might be providing clean water. Even businesses today have causes a lot of times that they support, like giving socks to the homeless or helping underserved groups. And that's all great. But have you ever wondered what are God's causes? If you read the Bible from beginning to end, you'll see there are some causes that God is very passionate about. Some of them you would expect, I think. Others you might not necessarily expect. So let's talk about that. What are God's top three causes? What are the things he's the most passionate about? The first one is the one I think you would expect. This is number three. I'm going to count down. He loves when we give in a way that helps the poor. That's something God's passionate about. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, he tells us to help the poor, specifically orphans, widows, immigrants, and the hungry, just in general. There's a lot of scripture about that. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Just tells you how much God loves it when you give to help the poor. God says, it's like you're lending to me and I'm gonna pay you back. Giving to help the poor is just a win-win scenario. You're gonna be a blessing and God's gonna bless you back. So why wouldn't you want to do it? It's so good. I love that we have a food pantry at our church that that feeds the poor and immigrants and single moms, people that don't have any other options. That honors God, and it's our privilege to bless those who God loves, right? But I think it's important that we understand this biblically, that we should help the poor, but as Christians, we can't end poverty, Jesus said in Matthew 26, he said, you will always have the poor among you. Poverty is a byproduct of sin. And we live in a fallen, sinful world. So that means we can't end sin ourselves and therefore we cannot end all poverty. So people who obsess about, you know, I wanna end all poverty. What they're doing is they're trying to take the place of God and create on earth what only exists in heaven. Only Jesus can end sin and he will. So that means we should help the poor, but we have to understand we can't end poverty. It's a nice goal, but it's impossible. Only Jesus, when he returns to earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth, poverty will then end. And that's gonna be awesome, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? So yeah, we should 
help the poor. But listen, if you really wanna help the poor, help them get into heaven where there will be no more poverty. Here's the second cause. I think God's really passionate about this, that when he loves it when we give to each other. When God's people give to each other, that's a cause that he really loves. He's passionate about this. Um, almost every verse in the Old Testament about giving to the poor is really written to the nation of Israel about taking care of their own poor within their nation. And then there are a couple verses that talk about giving to immigrants, which shows that God loves outsiders. And in the New Testament, most of the talk about giving to the poor and, and taking care of each other is written to the church about taking care of one another within the church. But then Jesus also tells a parable about the Good Samaritan. And again, God cares about giving that helps outsiders. But most of the scripture about giving to the poor and helping those in need is about those in the body of Christ meeting each other's needs. So by far, the emphasis is that we should focus on helping each other first. Because we're a family and family comes First, this is a biblical principle. Some people might think, well, that, that sounds kind of selfish. Well, it's a biblical principle that God established. You know, at our church, we have a, a fund we call the Mercy Fund. It's a benevolence fund. And any funds in that account go to helping people in our own church family when they have needs. It's so good. We had last year, a guy said, you know, I wanna give $10,000 to that account. I just want you to use it for whoever needs it. And we put people through an application process and we make sure you know they're not trying to game the system or rip us off. But, but people that we know who are part of our church family, we wanna help them the most. And yeah, we wanna help outsiders and, and do outreach too, but, but God calls us to take care of one another. And I love being part of a church family where people have your back. And then here's the cause that God is actually most passionate about. It's ministry that reaches the lost. He loves seeing the church build and expand and grow in a way that reaches lost people. And I think there are a lot of Christians that don't think enough about this. And honestly, they're not passionate about the thing that God is most passionate about. Whole books of the Old Testament are written about building the temple. I remember when we announced we were gonna build a new building a couple years ago and there was a guy who was like mad and he said, I don't really like building buildings and giving money to buildings. Like that. I'm like, you should go and read the Old Testament and tell that to Moses and Solomon and David and Nehemiah. Like these are all guys that built stuff for God. And in the New Testament times, giving that built up and grew the church, that strengthened the church is mostly what, the Bible talks about 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. What we're reading about is giving that strengthens the church. That's because the church is the greatest soul-saving organization that has ever existed in the history of the world. And Jesus did not come and say, I'm here to provide clean drinking water to everyone. He said, I will build my church. And he promised to provide living water to thirsty souls so they would never thirst again but he wants us to reach the law. So when we build a building, you gotta realize God loves that. Not because he cares about temporary buildings that will one day fade away, but he cares about the people who will come into these buildings and experience new life in Jesus. So it's amazing you see good examples of giving in Acts chapter two. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And look at the result of this. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the goal, the ultimate win of giving and what God cares about most. Their radical generosity did not result in the eradication of world hunger. That'd be a nice goal, but what God really wanted to accomplish through them was people being saved on a regular basis because God cares about souls. He's not just trying to feed a man a fish, he's trying to teach a man to fish. He wants to set people free from sin and give them eternal life. I love this. So our first priority is, yeah, we want to love the poor. We want to take care of the poor, but we want to build up the church and accomplish the thing that God is most passionate about. He works through our giving, our giving. In the last couple of weeks, we really focused on tithing. And today I want to focus on offerings and help you understand the difference between those things. Because I think that there's some confusion sometimes about the difference between giving tithes versus offerings. So I just wanna break it down and make it really practical. I don't expect you to understand what you haven't been taught, but we wanna look at God's word and understand. So tithes versus offerings. Here's the first thing. Tithes go to your local church, whereas offerings can go to any number of ministries. So tithes go to your local church. God said, bring the tithe to my storehouse that there would be food in my house. But then we see offerings being given in the passage that we're reading about where they were giving to another church. And if you wanna give offerings to ministries or missionaries that you support, that's great and God loves that. But your tithe, the whole 10% goes to your local church. Here's the next thing. Tithes are not designated, whereas offerings can be designated. So tithes all go into the general fund, which funds the general operations and ministry of the church. So if you give online, there's a little drop down button that says tithes and offerings, and you can give to the campus you go to, online campus, Mesa campus, Ahwatukee campus. If you give in person, there's little envelopes, and the first box has tithes and offerings. And some people think, you know, that's kind of boring, like just giving to the general fund. I, that's not really what I'm passionate about. I wanna to give to something else. I wanna divide it up. I wanna to give to the kids department and to the building campaign and to, to the food pantry. You gotta realize you can't designate tithes because it's not your money to designate. God says it belongs to me. So just imagine if I borrowed $100 from you. Okay, just imagine. I would never do that because I'm your pastor. I wouldn't borrow money from you. But just imagine I did. I borrowed $100 and then I go to pay you back. And you're like, finally, it's been a while. I go to pay you back. And I, uh, uh, before I pay you back your money, I'm going I'm to have to give you some, some stipulations about how you use it. I want you to take your wife out and do something nice for her. I want, I want the rest to go to your kid. I really like your kid. You'd be like, excuse me? You're trying to tell me how I should use the money that you borrowed from me? It's, it's not yours to designate, it's mine, right? And really God uses the principle of tithing to teach us how to be free from our own inner control freak natures. 
And when you try to designate your tithe, well, I want my tithe to go to the kids' ministry. What you're doing is you're trying to control something still that doesn't belong to you. Right? But God wants you to release these funds into his hands and trust him and trust the leadership that he's choosing to work through and you'll grow spiritually through that. But then when it comes to offerings, you can designate that. You're giving above your tithe and you say, man, I want this to go to a building or to kids or, or to this missionary that I really love, right? That's fine because those are our offerings. And really this is a matter of control. It's a matter of control. So then I want you to go to the next thing. Tithes, always 10%, always 10% versus offerings could be any amount above your tithe. Uh, the Bible makes it really clear. Tithes are 10%. It, it, it's actually part of the word tithe. It means one-tenth. So if you're giving less than 10%, you're like, I tithe, but not 10%. That's not a tithe. Just by definition, words mean things. It's not a tithe. But then an offering would be anything extra that God leads you to give. In 2 Corinthians, it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And he's talking about offerings. He's not telling them to decide how much to give when it comes to tithes, because God's already made that really clear. Uh, and so then I want to go to the next thing. Tithes always is wealth or money. We always give out of our increase. So it might be a paycheck, the first 10%, or an inheritance, the first 10%. Or if you win the lottery, I'm not gonna judge you for gambling, but you should tithe on that, okay? It's 10%. Whereas offerings could be money, or it could be time, it could be your words, it could be your worship. Really, anything extra you wanna give to God out of love could be an offering. And so if you say, man, I wanna give offerings, but I can't really afford to, you should worship your brains out when you come to church. Just at least lift up an offering of praise, right? But I wanna just point this out because sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm tithing my time. It's like, no, you're not. You would have to serve 876 hours a year to tithe your time. First off, it would be impossible for most people. Not even our most hardcore volunteers serve that much usually. Uh, but really, it's more important that that's not how we give tithes. Okay, so we don't want to do it the way the Bible describes. Tithes are Bible-led, whereas offerings are spirit-led. I don't need the Holy Spirit to tell me it's time to tithe because God's word has already told me that. Whereas the Holy Spirit will lead us in giving offerings generously. He will prompt us so we should ask God and then do what he says. Next thing, tithes are regular, whereas offerings are regular and spontaneous. So anytime you get paid or have an increase, it's time to tithe. But then you see that offerings are something that can be done regularly as well, or as the Lord leads you. In 1 Corinthians, it says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So he was talking about giving offerings. And that's a great example that giving above and beyond our tithe can still be a regular part of our lives and plans in our budget. You can plan to be generous. You know that? It's amazing. And so then here's the next thing. Tithes are expected, whereas offerings are encouraged. There's ex ex expected versus encouraged. In Exodus, you see all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings. They already had tithe. They were already giving the required sacrifices, but now they're giving more than that. It's called a free will offering. You give out of your own desire to give. And that happens in the New Testament as well. And you see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 6, it said, we've sent Titus who encouraged your giving 
to return and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. So, man, we're encouraging you still today. Be generous, be givers. Here's the next thing. Tithing demonstrates faithfulness, whereas giving offerings demonstrates generosity. This one's a little challenging, but I just gotta throw this out there towards you. It's not really generous to tithe. It's obedient. It's faithful. Once you've been faithful, once you've been a good steward with what God has entrusted you with, then you escape the atmosphere of obligation and you enter a new level of optionality where you can choose to be generous. And then really you are being generous. But, but man, if you haven't yet tithed and then you bring God some, some offering, you're just robbing God less. You can't be generous until you've been faithful. I think that's something you have to understand and get in your spirit. And I gotta be honest, some churches, I think, teach this issue of giving sometimes wrong when it comes to looking at what the Bible says. And I think their hearts are in the right place and they're, they're good churches, good pastors. But I've talked to some pastors and they've said, you know, if someone's not giving anything and you ask them to tithe 10%, that's just too big of a jump for most people. So, so you should let them take baby steps. Go, go from nothing to something, go from something to a percentage, and then work your way up to a tithe. But I just can't see the biblical foundation for teaching that way. Because really what the Bible says, God shows us, he says, you're robbing me when you withhold the tithe because it belongs to me. So as a pastor in good conscience, I can't teach you to just rob God a little less you know, we wouldn't do that with anything else. You know, I wouldn't be like, hey, bro, let's just start with, you know, sleep with your girlfriend less. <laughs> hey, hey, let's like, let's take some baby steps. Don't use porn five days a week. Let's just work our way down to three days a week. No, you don't baby step your way to obedience. You run to obedience. <laughs> baby steps are only appropriate for babies. <laughs> God's called us to spiritual maturity and to trust him, which requires faith. I know some of you might already be struggling with this message. Pastor Ryan, you were just asking me to tithe and now you're talking about giving above my tithe? I would just say, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> being a Christian literally means being Christ-like. This is a whole belief system founded on giving, on giving. We're only here because of Jesus who gave everything. It said, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. What's this talking about? That Jesus was in the throne of heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He became poor for your sakes. That means he left the riches and glory of heaven and chose willingly to come into our world as a man taking on human flesh. He didn't come to a palace. He came to really poor parents. He lived a life of poverty. So he gave up spiritual riches and earthly riches, but he did this for your sake so that he could make you rich, not just financially rich, but more importantly, spiritually rich to set you free from sin and, and allow you to escape a lifetime and eternity separated from God in hell. 
He forgives your sins and pays off a debt you could never pay off in a thousand lifetimes of perfect behavior. And he gives you the gift of eternal life. You can't receive eternal life and and know you're going to heaven and not feel rich on some level, amen? Jesus did this for us because he loves us, because he loves us. And that's what I want you to realize through this example of Jesus, that genuine love manifests as generosity, This word manifest, we need to bring this back. It means to demonstrate, to demonstrate. God said he loved us and then he demonstrated it through Jesus. Jesus is the manifest love of God. He he loves us and that's why he gave everything for us. So becoming like Jesus means becoming a giver. So I wanna share three secrets only givers know. Three secrets only givers know. Here's the first one. Giving is a test. It's a test. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I had been skipping my sociology class a whole lot because it was the first class of the day and I just didn't like waking up early. And I got, I got myself together and I went up to ASU and I was on the bus you know, coming down rural road and I saw this girl from my sociology class and, and she was looking at her notes and I was like, oh, is that, is that from our class? And she's like, yeah, I'm just studying for the test. And I said, what test? There's a lot of Christians, they hear that giving is a test and they're thinking, there, there's a test? What, what test? Yeah, yeah, giving is a test. When it comes to tithing, God said, test me. And then he is testing you. He's testing you to see if you'll be faithful with what he has put in your hands. And then once you do tithe, he's testing you to see if you'll be willingly, joyfully generous above what he has called you to do. It's not a one-time test, it's an ongoing test. As you're blessed, he is testing you to see if you continue to be generous. As you go through difficult seasons and you have a setback or, or if you, you lose your job, right? He's, he's testing you. Are you gonna be faithful only when it's easy or are you gonna be faithful and prioritize me first no matter what happens in your life? It's a test. The good news is if you're failing the test, you can instantly switch to a passing grade. Just become a giver. In 2 Corinthians 8, Apostle Paul said, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is. If it was just a pastor saying this, it might sound a little manipulative, right? If you really love me, you'll give. If you really love God, you'll give. But here's the thing, it's God saying this. I'm testing how genuine your love is. Here's the second thing, only givers know this, that you can't outgive God. You might have heard someone say this, but you're not gonna really know it until you live it. Some people are trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the least amount I have to give? You know, like, what do I have to give? Should I tithe on my net or my gross? Uh, can, can, I, can I just like give down to the very penny? Because I don't wanna rob God, but man, you're trying to figure out what's the least amount I, I need to give. And you gotta realize, if you understood this principle, you wouldn't be so worried about just trying to give the, the least amount. Because givers know you can't outgive God. You can't. He's always going to bless you beyond what you give. This is biblical, 2 Corinthians 9, verse six. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Okay, so see, God uses this analogy of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. This is God's analogy. He compares giving to the laws of nature because the laws of giving are supernatural laws. We can learn here through this passage. Both Sowing and and giving work on the principle of multiplication. You sow a hundred seeds, not to get back a hundred apples, but you get a hundred apple trees and thousands of apples. And that's a biblical principle. Anything you put in God's hands multiplies, multiplies. So all that means we don't give in order to get, but when you give, you can't help but receive, because it's a law that God has established. That, that shows us reluctant givers are trying to figure out, you know, how much do I have to give? But cheerful givers are saying, this is gonna be great. I can't wait to give, because I know God is gonna bless me way beyond what I gave, because you can't outgive God. And then here's the third secret. Only givers know, blessings follow faith. It takes faith to buy seeds and bury them in the dirt. You're believing by faith that some crop will spring up out of the ground for you the way it's happened for other people. It takes faith to give to God when you're not always sure how you're gonna be able to give to God. There's a lot of people, they're telling themselves this. They're saying, you know, well, when I am blessed, when I get a raise, when I reach my goals, then I can become a giver. Can I just tell you, you're gonna be waiting a long time. Because biblically, blessings follow faith. It's just a principle of the kingdom of God. We see it all throughout scripture. It's by faith, Moses stretched his hand out over the water and then God parted the Red Sea. It's by faith, Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho and then God brought the walls down. David stood before Goliath by faith and then God gave him victory in battle. And it comes down to to us with Jesus, right? We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior by faith and then he forgives our sins. Then he gives us the Holy Spirit. Then he opens our eyes to see the truth. Then he gives us eternal life. The blessings don't come before faith. This is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. You can't see a generous crop until you give generously and plant seed generously. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, it says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And this is the goal. God loves it when we're generous. He says, you can't outgive me When you're a giver, God says, I'm gonna bless you. You're gonna be enriched spiritually and a lot of times even financially. You're gonna have more than you need. So not not that you can be Scrooge McDuck and be rich and live in your tower and just ride out the rest of your days in luxury so that you can always be generous. It's an ongoing cycle of giving by faith, being blessed and continuing to be generous. You see that? So I just wanna share this. I wanna share a little bit of my own story when it comes to giving, and honestly, it's a little uncomfortable for me. I didn't really wanna do it on some levels. Uh, I called a bunch of friends and pastors, and I was like, should I tell this, or is this just awkward? And they just, 
they just told me, go ahead and go for it. The thing is, I don't want to tell a story where it looks like I'm the hero of the story or, or anything like that. So in this story, I just want you to realize all the glory goes to God. And I don't share this to get any credit, but God led me on a journey personally when it comes to money and giving. And I know the Bible says we'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I wanna encourage you with this. But it goes back to the beginning when I'm very young. As a very young guy, I really, really liked money. I was going out and cutting grass at 12 years old for neighbors and businesses in the little town I lived in, earning money, and I loved it. I got my first official job when I was 14 years old. I lied on my application and said I was 15. Got my first job at Sonic Drive-In. Would you like fries with that? It was amazing. Had no bills, was just bringing in the dough, and I loved it. I loved the freedom it gave me. I loved the control it gave me, the stuff I could buy. I gotta be honest, I loved money. Grew up, went to college, had scholarships, really blessed financially, ahead of the curve in many ways. Graduated, started my career as an army officer, was earning pretty good money as a young single guy, no kids, no debt. Started investing for retirement at 22 years old, just like right away. Was so pumped, bought my first house at, at 24. Houses were a lot cheaper back then, but still it was awesome. Got deployed to Iraq and it was amazing. You know, I got, I got promoted to being a, a captain and my pay went up to $80,000 a year pretty much. No kids, no debt, no taxes, just saving most of what I made and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then I got saved, <laughs> like really saved. And the first thing that started to happen was I started to feel convicted about tithing. And I was that guy, I just didn't want to tithe. I saw my parents doing it when I was growing up. I heard a lot of sermons growing up about tithing. And even though I had all this wealth and, and very little bills to pay, no debt and very few responsibilities, I still didn't wanna do it because I'm the guy, I just wanted the money for me. It was an idol for me and I was just selfish. So I'm the guy they're Googling on the internet, like do I really have to tithe? Can I be the exception to the rule? But God started convicting me and I just knew, no, this is the right thing, I need to do this. And, and eventually he led me into ministry and I left the army and came to be uh, an assistant pastor at this church under my dad and took about a 50% pay cut. And that was the first test when it came to money. God was testing me like, do you love money or do you love me? Are you gonna go where I call you or are you gonna follow me? I was tithing, and then God started challenging me to give offerings above my tithe. I mean, how's that for blessing, right? You know, like I'm tithing, and then I get a 50% pay cut. <laughs> and not every blessing starts out financially, right? God's calling me to give above and beyond my tithe, and you know, I'm married to my wife, Amy, and, and she's much more generous than me. And so <laughs> she would challenge me to be more generous and to give more and and we eventually got to this point where 2019, early in the year, I knew we were gonna be launching our bold campaign to build this new building. And I knew we were gonna be raising funds for it. And I started to really pray, God, what are you speaking to me about giving to this campaign through 
kingdom builders, how should we give above and beyond our tithes personally? And I know, hey, I'm the lead pastor of this church. I can't just ask people to give sacrificially and then not give myself. I, I, I know I've got to listen to God and do what he says. So I started praying and I started throwing these numbers out to God. And, and, and I've shared this with our leaders, but I've never shared it with the church. And I don't say this in any way to compare it to anyone else, but just to share what God did in my life. But first I was like, God, should we, should we give for this two-year pledge, should we give $35,000 above our tithe? And God was like, mm-mm-mm. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know how we're gonna do this, but, but I felt like he was leading us to give $50,000 above our tithe. And I was nervous about that. I was concerned because we were planning to adopt and man, that was gonna be expensive and I didn't know how we were gonna pay for it. So man, I wanna be obedient to God, but I also just didn't know how it would look to take that step of faith. It was a a challenge and a struggle for us. But then God just started to show me how faithful he is when we're faithful with what he's put in our hands. All these things started to happen. All these things started to fall into place. One of the things that was amazing was, man, we got scholarships and people donated to our adoption and it ended up costing us nothing. God just provided for that. And so, you know, I was like, man, God's so good. He's so faithful. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, man, I'm happy camper. God's so good. Look, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier to give our pledge to this building campaign. And then God really wanted to show me, he really wanted to like one up what my expectations were. He wanted to outdo himself. And so he kind of led to this point where 2020, after COVID hit and the market crashed, I saw, you know, there's some opportunities there. So I saw, I mean, I could take some money from savings and I could invest in this opportunity. And I'm not an expert at this, but I did my research and I prayed about it and uh, God gave me peace about it. So I invested some money. I wasn't thinking that much about it. And then lo and behold, a few months go by, this investment blows up way beyond my expectations and it returned more than $50,000. And it was like, God was showing me personally, Ryan, this is a test. If you'll be faithful with what I'm calling you to do, you don't have to bring the funds. You just have to bring the faith. I'm going to accomplish my will either way, God says, with or without you. So what he's showing us is I can work through you or I can work around you. Because of his kindness, he wants to work through us and allow us to participate in his miracle, what he's doing. And he says, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you with this. So God wanted me not just to teach it, but to see it and believe it so that I could encourage you with this. God wants to allow you to partner with him to accomplish the thing he's most passionate about. He wants to use you to seek and save the lost. We do it through our giving, through our serving, but I gotta ask you, what can God do through you? He can only work through you as you make yourself available. Have you made yourself available to him? He's gonna get the glory and he's gonna accomplish his purpose, but he wants to use you. He wants to work through you. And doesn't mean he's always gonna do it that way, but he doesn't have to, because he's proven again and again, when you're faithful, I'm gonna use you, I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna allow you to be a part of what I'm doing. I'm so grateful for our church. We have so many generous people who are open-hearted, and I know God is working on other hearts today. He's softening hearts, he's opening hearts and some of you, it's rising up in you. I wanna, I wanna be a giver like Jesus. I wanna experience God's blessing for myself firsthand. And I wanna be used 
for God's glory. He's gonna use you. If you're obedient and if you're faithful and if you're open-handed, he can work through you. And there might be others of you, you're here today, you hear about how Jesus is a giver and how he gave so much for you and laid his life down on the cross so you can be forgiven and receive eternal life. And maybe you're here, you say, I need that. If you're someone who's never received Jesus and you've never received forgiveness, this could be your day to accept him and to be saved and receive the greatest gift ever given, eternal life. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes right now. And I wanna do this. I just wanna take a moment, if you're here and you'd say, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, if you feel drawn to God right now, and you wanna open your heart to him, wherever you're at, online, in Ahwatukee, in Mesa, pray this with me, just say, God, I need you to save me. I know I've sinned and I need forgiveness. I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins so I could be forgiven. And I believe that Jesus rose again and conquered death so that I could have eternal life. I'm gonna trust Jesus from this day forward and follow him. And Lord, I thank you for loving me and leading me in Jesus' name, amen.